0: Hello, and welcome back to the Growth Circle Podcast. Uh, I am Lincoln Amstutz, and today I'm here with a guest, uh, Marty Tyler. Uh, Very excited to have him on. Uh, A little bit about Marty, he is a husband and father who has served in the Air Force and grew up in Missouri, where he still lives and invests today. Marty has been doing creatively structured real estate deals for years now, getting started with house hacking and working up to owning single family homes, commercial property, and even a campground. Uh, Marty is a go-getter, and I'm excited to have him here on the podcast today. Uh, Marty, welcome to the Growth Circle Podcast.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here.
0: Yes, yeah. Excited for the conversation. And uh, right off the bat, I know you've done numerous deals in real estate now with a variety of structures, um, from cash purchases to tax liens, seller finance, um, and other creative methods. Can you uh, take us through your journey and how you got into real estate and learned these different ways of taking down deals?
1: Sure, yeah. So, um, you know, when I was, I've always just had a, a inkling for real estate. Um, even you know, back in the day, I I was watching HGTV and and there was a show like Income Property or something, and that just made complete sense to me to have you know a, a, an apartment downstairs or something like that um, to help pay the mortgage. And so um, when I got out of active duty, I built a, an apartment um, on my property with the hopes of with, with the idea of living in it and then uh, building my house. And then I would rent out that, that space. And so, um, you know, that was house hacking, you know, 10 years ago before house hacking was even a thing uh, from bigger pockets. And so um, I started there and then um, I was just driving by and saw a sign that said like a real estate auction, you know, Saturday or whatever it was. And so I just kind of showed up and, um, you know, the the um, auction went uh, so cheap that I bought it. And, um, you know, with the kind of the idea that I'll just figure it out from there. And then the guy comes up to me and says, hey, we're actually auctioning off two. If you um, give us the same price, we'll let you have have both of them. And I said, okay. And so I just kind of, um, you know, just thought I'd figure it out. And so I, I bought two, started to figure those out. And then, um, you know, just kind of spiraled from there. I've just been buying more. And then, um, you know, then I would, the campground and stuff came up. And so, again, I was just like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Just kind of
0: showing up and, and that sort of stuff. Right, right. No, that's uh, that's pretty pretty crazy start jumping in there. Obviously, like you said, you wanted to make some extra money. You know, just naturally in your property, might as well rent out some space. Yep. Uh, but then that auction uh, setup—that's that's pretty crazy. So you just heard about this auction. Had you done some research on the property, some background? Did you know it needed a lot of work, or or how did that? come about?
1: So it, I just showed, you know, it was like Saturday, 10 o'clock show up kind of thing. And, you know, they let you walk around it. And so there was, there were two next, right next to each other. And I was interested in one, not the other one. And so I, um, you know, kind of won and and that, and then the guy was like, Hey, you know, for that house that you weren't really interested in, you know, I'll sell it to you for the same price. And, you know, I think I got them for $15,000 each or something like that. And so I was just like, okay. Okay. You know, I didn't, kind of anticipate doing either one there. Um, I was just kind of showing up just to see what, what it was. And it went so cheap that I, I was like, yeah, I'll take it. And then, you yeah. know, got two of them so cheap. So I took them both.
0: Right, right. Hard to pass that up. Yeah. I mean, 50,000, like, is it in, you didn't have necessarily a ton of background in real estate, it sounds like you just figured for that price, it's hard to lose. I mean, I'll just go in there and figure it out. Exactly. Yep. That's just kind of,
1: that's just kind of how I've been this, this whole journey. You know what I mean? I, I, I see something, you know, I know that I can make it work. And so I, I, I just, you know, I'll figure it out as kind of, kind of my mantra, I guess.
0: Right. Right. Now with those properties there, uh, what did you end up doing with those? Was it a flip, a rental? What was your strategy after buying them? So, um, one
1: was pretty much rent ready.
0: And so I just started renting that out.
1: And then the other one, um, we had to kind of redo the whole thing and, um, I've actually sold that as owner financing. So I still have one for, that was my first rental. I still have it. Uh, it's probably one of my better performing properties. And then, um, you know, I owner finance the other one. And so she's been making monthly payments. So I've probably made four or five times on my money at least so far.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. That's, and, and how long a span of time has that been now that you've been seller financing these?
1: Uh, four years, probably four or five years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So pretty, pretty good, uh, ROI there uh, with your money coming back. That's what, uh, so what made you go with the seller finance structure on those versus just like a traditional, uh, like rental, um, you know, what, what was the advantage for you in in choosing that route?
1: Um, it was a a young girl and, um, you know, I kind of lucked out with placing her as a tenant and she was a great tenant for about a year or so. And then she was, uh, she kind of came up to me and said, Hey, would you be interested in me buying this place? And I was like, sure, I don't, I don't care. And so we kind of discussed some terms and she was pretty cool with everything. And so, you know, my, my, uh, return on investment was pretty close to the same as a rental, but you know, I didn't have to worry about maintenance costs or anything like that. And so I was, you know, kind of helped her out and helped me out. Uh, so it was kind of a win-win for both of us.
0: True. True. Yeah. If you can just pass along the responsibility of the property and like you're saying, all those maintenance management type of, you know, setups that you usually have to handle when just doing a regular rental this way, she's taking care of all that. You just are collecting the, the income essentially. Did you set these up on a certain like time frame, like a five, 10 year note, or is it just until they paid off the property? Oh Just until they paid off the property. So we came, I think, uh, I think she'd pay me 8% interest or
1: something like that. And so we just kind of came up with a plan. She told me what she could afford monthly, and so we just kind of, uh, made the duration, whatever, you know, payment she needed to be at. And I think it's like eight or nine years or something like that.
0: Right. Right. No, I mean, and yeah, like you said, your margins have got to be pretty healthy. I would imagine being that low purchase price. I'm sure you had to put some money in, you know, to fix them up, like you said, but did you end up doing that just all cash? Did you end up taking out a, you know, construction loan for those? And, um, so you've got some balance on them.
1: No. So what I, uh, Luckily, my mom um had a home equity line of credit, and so she let me kind of borrow that, and then um you know I've have since paid her off, and then she's a partner with me on the one house, uh on both of those actually, so uh, she's got a decent return on her money, and then um you know she just kind of was interested in real estate too, and kind of tagging along for the ride for, with me, I think.
0: Right. Now that's, that's what I love about yeah real estate and this deal specifically is, you know, you saw, you saw a good deal, right? Cause when you have a good deal, there's so much you can do with it, whether it is, you know, you were to turn around and sell it to somebody else for them to fix up, wholesale it, or you do a flip, you do this seller finance. It's, it's a win-win when you have a good deal and you were just willing to go in and make it happen. Have you done similar, uh, like seller finance deals since then either you seller financing another property or you being the one that's uh, financing it from the owner?
1: Yeah. So um, we bought a a wholesale deal from uh, Parade and then um, I put about 10 or 15 K in it. And then we sold that owner financing to uh, somebody. And that's probably been the last year or two. We've been getting paid on that pretty regularly. And then uh, I just recently picked up two commercial buildings in um, Nevada And, um, it was, it's right downtown. Um, one was listed on the MLS. So I showed up to look at it and the realtor was like, actually, he owns the building next door too. And I was like, oh, I'd be interested in looking at that too. You know, just seeing what it is. And so I, um, went in there, I was interested in both buildings. And so I made an offer on owner financing. The, the realtor came back and said, he's not interested in owner financing. And then about uh, 10 hours later, I get another text that says he's considering the owner financing. And then about 10 hours later, I got another text that said, he accepted your terms. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we just uh, closed on that uh, last month, I think it is.
0: Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Is that, it, it was and was the deal, you were interested in the deal, you know, you could see it working, but it was pretty much only, you, you know, a seller finance deal to you? Like that was the only way you were willing to take it down? Or did you have another option, you know, if he wasn't going to accept that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, we we were, we were, um, considering just traditional financing, but um, we thought that um, you know he was he's an older re- retiring uh, lawyer, and so um, you know once I would mentioned the tax implications and that sort of stuff, I think that's what kind of uh, started the ball rolling. And then I think he contacted his accountant and then realized that we were what we were saying was true. And then um, you know he was just looking to he wanted to retire, move south, and so we were we were kind of the easy button on that. So and then. You know, a win again, a win-win. He collects the cash flow. He gets you know some interest on it for the next five years, and then uh, it balloons in five years. So,
0: oh yeah, absolutely. It's not like yeah, you guys were just the ones winning in that scenario. Obviously, it's great for you. You know, sounds like you got great terms on it, and you know, maybe even less money down. But you know, for him, yeah, he's spreading out his tax burden over the course of time, makes some extra money on the interest. So, it uh, it's mutually beneficial there, which is the cool part about it. Yep. Did you all have to do much of a you know down payment in, in investment there, or is it better than the terms you would have got yeah, from the bank? So, I would. Oh, no, sorry didn't mean to cut you off there, but um, yeah, he uh, he he, the terms I offered him were were better than the
1: uh, that I could get on the commercial side, and so I just did a ten percent down, and then I think he's, at, I think we're at six percent interest. Um, there was some back and forth on that, and I don't remember exactly where we landed, but um, so yeah, better better terms than I could have got from the the local bank here, so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 2023 rates are, rates are high. So 6% it'll take that for sure. Yeah. Take that all day. So. Right. And now though, so are those both rented now or, um, are you doing renovations on, on either of those?
1: So one was, um, already, um, rented by a, a tenant and they pay all the maintenance costs and stuff inside. Um, and then the other one was vacant. So we had some termite damage that we had to 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 fix. We just got that fixed and we just put it on the market for rent. So.
0: Okay. Okay. Very nice. Now with these seller finance type of deals, are you, I mean, what, how are you knowing uh, to structure these, the contracts for them? Are you, you know, writing this up yourself? Are you hiring somebody to write it out for you? Cause I'm sure there's a lot of people that would be interested in doing a seller finance deal, but they're not sure, how do I know what terms to use, You know what contracts to write with? How have you gone about that?
1: Right, so um, I, I trust the title company and, and the attorneys to do all of that. Um, the only thing that I ever do is just kind of come up with like a basic one sheet that kind of outlines the terms that we agree to. And then you know they sign it and I sign it. And then I take that into the uh, title company. And then they, they pretty much do everything for us. They'll write up the note, they'll write up the, you know, normal title company stuff that they do, um, place that person as the lien holder. And so, um, you know, the title company will really take care of most of that stuff for you. Um, and then, you know, contacting a lawyer just to kind of have them review it and make sure everything's good. Um, so there's not much more costs to having them do it as opposed to just your traditional closing. So
0: mm-hmm. makes sense. No, I mean, I, I'm with you on that, right? You find the experts in, you know, their field and, you know, those that handle those contracts and, and such and let them take care of it because, you know, we could, you know, you can maybe try and save a buck and do it yourself, but you just know that it's going to save time. It's going to save headache down the road and just letting them handle those things. So delegating it off, like you're saying. Yeah, for sure. It's worth the extra
1: couple hundred bucks
0: to, to not have to worry about it. You know, if for some reason the, my, my buyers
1: quit, quit paying, then you know, having a, the lawyer that that I'm going to contact is is the one that I had reviewed the document. You know what I mean? So I want to make sure that we're on the same page there if that happens. So just, just letting them deal with it. I stay in my lane and then let them stay in their lane and then we all all get to where we need to go.
0: Exactly. So you said early on, you got a couple of these seller finance deals to start. What was the, you know, what were some of the next deals or the next steps in, you know, you acquiring some rental properties and, and going from there? So, um, I enjoyed
1: I, I enjoyed and got a good deal at, at that uh, real estate auction. Um, so, I went to another uh, real estate auction and then I ended up with another property there. And then um, I talked to my wife and I started to hear about these tax liens um, in Missouri that, that get auctioned off once a year. And so, I told her, I said, hey, I'm going to go um, to this auction. I'm going to bring a couple thousand dollars and I'm just going to buy some land. And then that way, you know, it'll get me through the process. I'll, I'll figure out how to, how to, how it all works. And then worst case scenarios, we got some land that we can ride our motorcycles on or, you know, hunt on or whatever. And so she was, she agreed to that. And so I showed up to the auction and by the time the auction was done, I ended up with three houses on tax liens um, because they were going so cheap. And, and again, I was just like, you know, I'll figure it out. These are going so cheap. And so, um, you know, so I started, started doing that. And then, um, you know, that was, the, that was the next step. So.
0: Nice. Very nice. I I love it. You know, again, you're just, you know, you, you hear about these good deals, right? You put yourself in the position of, well, Hey, there's an auction, you know, I'll go and check it out or, Hey, here's this, yeah, the, these tax, um, sales, you know, let me go see what this is all about, bring some money and then walk away with some deals. It's like, how do you turn that down? And I, I, I like it because there's so many people that can, you know, research themselves to death and go over all the scenarios of how to find these deals and you know every possibility of the outcome versus you know what you're doing is you're just going right again you're looking for good deals you're not just jumping into any property but you're just putting yourself out there and, and figuring it out after the fact you know we'll figure out what this could be used for um so that that's huge and i mean do you feel like you've always been pretty risk averse and just willing to go for it or have you kind of grown in that
1: um i would say yeah i've kind got- Always been that way, um you know, just just typically you know military kind of think kind of teaches you that um, but you know, I would say almost ninety percent of my stuff is basically me showing up and being at the right place at the right time, um so you know like you said, man, people get so wrapped up in in researching and stuff, and then it's just like you know go to the auctions, go look at houses go go um go just see what's out there, you know what I mean um. You know because stuff is mislisted all the time or you know um people don't show up to the auction and, and it's just you and one other guy you know what i mean so you really only have to mid one guy or something like that so a lot of my stuff is just basically showing up and and, and deciding that, that i'll figure it out
0: hey no that's that's the way to do it and i'm with these uh auction properties i mean you said you were bringing a few thousand dollars to uh you know, buy some land there, but walked away with three houses. How, I mean, you had to have got those for real cheap to make that happen, I would think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that, that was kind of what, what led me to that. You know what I mean? I, I showed up thinking that these hot houses were going to go for tens of thousands of dollars. And, you know, the first one went for a couple thousand. I'm kind of looking around. There's only a few of us there. And so then I was like, well, you know, I, I'm just, I adapted on the fly there. And so then, um, the, the next one came up and, and, and I bid on it and ended up winning. And I think I got two that, that, that auction. And so then at the end of the auction, everybody's kind of leaving and, and that sort of stuff. And then the county collector goes, so, all right, so the, the ones that have been offered for auction for a few years, we're going to re-auction those off. And, and so I'm just kind of listening to him talk. And then he goes, so blah, blah, blah property, I'm going to wipe the, the debt out and it's $90. And so I'm kind of looking around and, nobody's saying anything. And I was like, wait a minute, the bid is 90 bucks. And he said, yes. And I was like, all right, 90 bucks. And so um, nobody else bid. And so then he was like, all right, it's yours, 90 bucks. And so then I was like, okay. So I I drive by, buy it and it's a house and there's people living there. And so I knock on the door and I mean, I had to do some paperwork and stuff, so I don't want to, I'm kind of compressing the timeline a little bit here, but I knocked on the door and this kid came out and I was like, Hey man, I don't, Know what to say, but I now own this house and you're living in it, so you either got to pay rent or get out. And so then he's like, "Oh, it's my dad's house," and I was like, "All right, here's my number. Have him call me." And so the, you know, day or two later, I get a call, and and it's a guy, and he's like, "Hey, I thought my wife was paying the taxes. I don't know what to say. I don't want to leave that house." And I was like, "Well, I own it now, so you either got to pay rent or get out." And so he's like, "Well, what if I just buy it back from you?" And I was like, "Okay," and he's like, "How much is it?" And I said. $20,000. $20,000. I just made up a, a figure off the top of my head. I hadn't thought of anything. And he was like, can I pay you 350 bucks a month? And I said, yep. And so for the last, I think three years, that guy's been paying me $350 a month off of my
0: $90 investment. That is crazy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard people get properties for pretty cheap and 90 bucks. I think that takes the cake right there. That's yeah. I mean, and like you said, you just walked into it, right? Yeah. Like you're looking around. Is anybody else going to buy this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it. I,
1: I, I thought I was I was hearing right. You know what I mean? I was like, you know, I'm, I must be mistaken in my brain of what I heard and versus what I'm understanding. And so, luckily, the the county collector there's super cool, and he's kind of helped walk me through this whole thing. And and the ladies that work at his front office there, I mean, they have helped me through all the tax lien stuff to kind of navigate because it's a process. But um, yeah, so I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I've never set foot in that house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, th- that's one of those deals. It's like, yeah, again, right place, right time. And, uh, you know, it worked out because, you know, you were willing to sell the house back to them and, you know, they got to stay put. So with, can you explain a little bit the, the tax lien, tax sale process? Because I know it sounds like you made a distinction there of that last property you bought, maybe even compared to some of the others. And is it, is it one you own immediately, uh, versus others, you know, you have to wait for some time to see if the taxes get paid off. What, what is that process like on these? So I'll, I'll
1: say this, like each state is different. Um, so if you, if you're not in Missouri, it might be a little bit different process. And then kind of each county kind of does their own way of, of following state rules. So um, each county can be a little bit different. Uh, but for the counties that I used, it's, it's, if somebody hasn't paid in three years, they'll offer uh, it up and, the minimum amount due is the past taxes for those three years. So let's say it's $10,000 that they've owed in taxes for the, for the last three years. So the opening bid will be $10,000. Now, if me and you both want that house, it'll go up from there. And then it, it gets, um, let me figure out who the winner is. And so then there is a year waiting period to, to let that person, the owner pay you back. And so, In Missouri, you make ten percent off of that ten thousand dollars, and then you don't make a ten percent interest on the other amount that you went over that. Um, And so the county collector holds that in escrow, and then after a year process, after a year time period, they haven't paid you back. There's some notifications and stuff that you got to send out, um, but then the uh, county recorder will issue you a tax deed, and that gives you access to the property that's now your house. Now the downside of that is um, you, know, you really can't sell that on the MLS you can't um, you know no title company will will guarantee insurance on that um, until you hire a lawyer and, and go through a process on that so but um, the tax the tax lien will get you the deed that has access to the property and so then that I just turn those into rentals and then I'll just use it as rentals and then if I want to sell it then I go through the process with the with the attorney. Now, what this county was doing was after that three years, if it's $10,000 and nobody bids on it, so then it'll it'll get rolled over into the next year. And so then it'll be $10,000 plus what was owed last year. And so, you know, eventually he he understands that, you know, nobody's going to buy this. Nobody's going to keep adding all those past years. And so then he wipes the debt clean and then he started fresh. Now he does that because he wants people to pay taxes, obviously. And so that way he can get his revenue up. And so, um, that's the way that that County does it. I don't know if all of them do it. You know, my local one here, there's another one that doesn't do that. She just keeps rolling it over year after year after year. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of the, the quick and dirty of it.
0: Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, and kind of that timeline with paying it off, uh, well, you know, the price buying the property with the, past due taxes in the last several years, and then giving that year to allow the, you know, owner, previous owner, uh, pay off those taxes and, and catch it back up. So I would imagine, you know, say at nine, 10 months down the line, they pay you off. Um, they are only paying off what taxes are owed. If you had invested any money in the property to fix it up, that's essentially a loss to you. You've just added on value to their property. Am, am I correct in, in looking so you, at that So you're way? not supposed to set
1: foot on the property for a year. Now, there's some gray area there. Like if the roof is caving in, you can kind of do a repair to make it to where the house is still livable. And then they're technically supposed to pay you back on that. So any expense that you have made, you have accrued from when you bought the tax lien until the end the person has to pay you back on that. So I have to do a title search. They have to pay me back on all that. I have to mail out a bunch of letters. They have to pay me back all my postage and everything. But the county um, collector does all of that. All you do is turn in a receipt and then they, they, they figure out the amounts that everybody's owed and all that. And so then there's no discussion between me and the person that lives there. It's all through the county collector they they take stuff from the person, take stuff from me. And then, you know, if the person comes in that they're the intermediary that they just call me and say, Hey, we're mailing you a
0: check. This person paid you off. Right. Right. Okay. And then did you say you're, you are able to rent these though in that year, or are you also, it just needs to essentially stay vacant for that year and then you can act on it.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: Okay. Okay. Do you, have you experienced where people have come back and, and paid off these, uh, the taxes, um, or how, how often does that happen compared to you end up with the property?
1: So I invest in pretty small counties. So, you know, I'm, I'm different than say, you know, Springfield or something like that. I'm, I'm at about a 33% reimbursement rate. So two out of every three tax liens I buy, I end up with the property and then one out of three, I get paid back probably.
0: Okay. Okay. But even in that time, it sounds like you're making some interest on the money. Uh, do you yeah, say 10%, 10%. from where you're at? Yeah. So, and you know, it's still, you know, yeah, you got money out, but you're making, you know, making some interest on it. Worst case, if you know, best case you get that property for cheap and then go and, and do what you want with it. Um, would you say, are, are these some of your favorite types of deals that you, you know, or I guess favorite type or the most consistent deals that you get are from these tax, um, auctions?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're my favorite ones just because, um, I love sweet deals. And so, um, you know, this is where I, where I find most of them. And then, um, you know, it's, it, there's not as much competition, right? If somebody puts a house on, on the MLS, now I got everybody who's looking at that MLS. If it's just the tax lien, the only competition I have is the, you know, 10 different guys that show up on, on the courthouse steps that day. And so, you know, my competition is much more reduced.
0: Right. Right. So no, I, like it. I, I like it. No, I think it's definitely, I mean, for, yeah, like you're saying, an under, underused, underrated, you know, source for deals because it takes a little bit more patience, right, and waiting out that year to be able to actually act on the property, some upfront capital just to invest depending on the price. Um, you know, you might be putting in several thousand dollars, tens of thousands even, you know, for the right property over that course of time. So you've got to have, you know, some patience and capital to work with. But, you know, huge, huge margins, I would imagine, Uh one other question on these, are you able to look inside of the property, walk around the properties before you, um, purchasing, or is it pretty, you know, sight unseen? Sight unseen, uh, on the inside, you can drive by
1: it. I mean, they, they have to post them in the newspaper. And then, um, so I, I write the addresses down, I drive by it, I see. You know, does it look livable? Is there somebody living there? Is there a house on the structure, you know, on the property because sometimes there's just land. And so then that starts to get the balls rolling of, okay, these are the 10, you know, that have a house that looks decent up from the outside. You know, typically if it looks decent on the outside, it's at least decent on the inside, you know. And so I just start making the the 10 that I'm interested in and, you know, kind of go from there.
0: Right. Right. Okay. So it it takes some,
1: it takes some research up front for sure.
0: I would imagine. Yeah, because you don't know. Yeah, you got to do the title work, you got to make sure you're in a, a proper place, you know, yep. and understand property. Um, yeah. You can mitigate that risk somewhat by doing some due diligence. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Now, so you've mentioned, you know, some some tax liens, some auctions, uh, you know, even the MLS for that commercial deal. Are those um, the main places you're finding deals? Are there any other sources that you, you know, look for for investment property?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I just try to cast the biggest net possible. So I get on, you know, wholesalers list. I'm on yours, obviously. Um, you know, um, so I try to do that. Um, and then, you know, just word of mouth, you know, I try to post on social media and that sort of stuff. I've gotten a deal or two of, Hey, a friend of a friend is selling their house. Um, you know, just doesn't want to do anything to it or, um, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, try to make friends with realtors for off market stuff, you know. I just try to try to get the name out there try to get the fact that i that i invest in real estate out and and you know just try to cast the biggest net possible
0: right i i'm with you there there's definitely something to just letting people know and that word of mouth because i've found at least you know yeah you'll get deals coming out of nowhere that you didn't expect and oftentimes those can even be some of the better ones um just you know personal relationship or whatever it is so Yeah, getting just getting the word out there, you know, not being afraid to let people know what you're doing can can go a long ways. Uh, For for you and your, you know, kind of uh, your viewpoint on real estate investing. I mean, for you, why real estate? Why has that kind of been the area you've honed in on? And did you get in it for you know long-term rental properties primarily, for more of these short-term, you know, flips and gains? What what's kind of your reasoning for being in it and um, you know in that real estate side?
1: So, what started on me on it was I remember uh you know I was reading reading an article or something, and this was during the Trump presidency and not to get all political, but I, you know Trump sent a tweet, and I can't remember what it was, but whatever the tweet was, the market kind of tanked in regards to that tweet, and you know I was invested into the market and i was and I just remember distinctively thinking, I don't want to be at the whim of some guy's Twitter feed um you know with with how much money I make." And so then I, I wanted to be in charge of that. And so that's kind of what was like, you know, I kind of was dabbling in real estate a little bit before that. And that's what kind of made me the gun ho to go um, full fledged into real estate. Um, so that's kind of what, where that all started. And then, you know, me, I'm a buy and hold guy. I want to I, I want to keep stuff forever and just collect that cash flow, you know, replace my W-2 income, um, live comfortably. So um, I've started to get into a little more flippant just because, you um, you know, just to come up with the capital to kind of pay for more rentals, kind of thing. Um, So, uh, you know, we flipped a one, one or two a year, maybe, just to kind of come up with some money. But um yeah, if if, if they were up to me, I would keep everything forever.
0: Right, right. I hear you. It's like, yeah, you get into these properties, spend the time, you know, fix them up, whatever it is, and yeah, for me, I, I, yeah more often than not would rather hold you know as, as often as i can because you do experience so many of those benefits right from holding it long term from the cash yeah. flow you it's know loan pay down appreciation like you're saying all of that and yeah so i'm, I'm right there with you on it uh, now you've again you've gotten into a variety of different deals uh have you and it sounds like even on the financing you know purchase side sometimes it's with people sometimes it's not do you have partners that you work with pretty consistently on deals? Do you do most of it yourself? What is, um, what's kind of that team structure look like?
1: So I, for the longest time I was, I was Mr. I want to do it all myself. I want to, uh, you know, I'm very much a guy that I've confidence in my abilities. And so, uh, you know, I I can make things right. I can figure it out, that sort of stuff. Um, and that's kind of what, what's gotten me here so far. Um, but as I started to, uh, progress and, and get a few more. Then I started to, um, you know, want to do things with other people. Um, not only for the, you know, I only have to come up with half the money now or whatever, or half the decisions, but, um, you know, it's fun to fun to tackle deals down with a buddy or, or something like that, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, so I just started to kind of put feelers out there and, um, you know, I would find the deals. I'm really good at finding deals. And so then I just kind of started putting those out there. And um you know that's how we got the campground um we had you know I had a buddy that you know he had some money and he was looking to get into something here here locally and so that's kind of, he came up with the money, and I came up with the operations, and so that's kind of been the partnership there and then um you know so that now that I'm kind of moving along in the journey, I find that I like to do deals with people uh more um and then you know, I still do the tax liens and that kind of stuff myself just because uh, you know, kind of gives me, uh, serves that itch. So I do a little bit of both, but as I'm progressing, I find myself, um, uh, reaching out for partners more for sure. Hmm.
0: Nice. No, that's, that's good to hear because when you have a partner, you open yourself up to, you know, their network, their, you know, the deals that they can see come along, which can be huge. You know, I've partnered on a couple of deals myself that I would have never found, you know, even if I wanted to do it individually because they brought it to me and, We were able to take it down something bigger than I would have. And so there's, there's a lot of benefits there that you get with a partner can be fun to go through that process with somebody too. And, and it sounds like, yeah, even this campground, I want to, let's dive into that a little bit, um, how that deal came about and, and give us some insight on what that even looks like. Cause I don't, I don't know much about campground, you know, property myself, but I'm sure there's some huge upside there I would think and opportunity.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So um, this deal is kind of fun. So, you know, I'm a big proponent in becoming an expert in the market um, that you're investing in. And so, you know, I know what houses go for here locally and I know what they rent for. And so, you know, I could bring up realtor.com or whatever and just start scrolling down through there. And I saw a house that was uh, priced more than it should have been. And so then that, you know, sent off a little flag. And so then I clicked on it. And the description said mentioned something like few camp spots on on site you know blah blah, blah. i can't remember exactly how it was so then that was like few camp spots okay and so this is in a town uh here locally that has a a pretty good sized lake and so then i was like all right that makes sense so then i went and looked at it well the few camp spots ended up being like 20 and um as i showed up or as i went there i could see like it used to be like a mobile home park too. And so there was a, some vacant land um, around there and it already had utilities from when the mobile homes were there. And so then, you know, the camp spots were there, but there's also like an acre of land that, that I could put a bunch more sites on. And so then I started to kind of, you know, um, started to kind of, be, you know, think about, you know, expansion's going to be easy. Um, and then as we started to walk around, he had lived in the garage for a little bit and um, while his house was being done, and so then I was like, oh, I can make that finished garage into a rental. And so then I just started to kind of piece all these things together that we could do there. And then, um, you know, so that's that's when I started to crush the numbers and, and they were starting to look really good. And so then I started to call around local campgrounds to see what the lot rent was for camp, campers. And so that kind of helped me uh, put some numbers uh, down. And so the numbers were looking really good. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, I had this buddy who was kind of looking to get into something here locally. He lives in California. so he liked the purchase prices here, obviously. And so, um, you know, kind of sent to him, I was like, Hey man, what do you think here? And he's like, yep, I'm in. And so we bought that, um, I think last year and we've already expanded. Um, uh, you know, it was a mom and pop operation. He didn't, he had a few campers out there. People were parking their campers there because he was start charging so little. It was cheaper for them to park their camper there as opposed to like a, Spotted a storage facility or something and so um you know he he handed me all of his paperwork you know it was in a written down and on a legal pad and this is on a napkin and this is on the back sheet of this and here's an envelope that i wrote this down on and so then you know we've really been systematizing it here in the last year and, and um, expanding it and so it's become pretty successful so far
0: yeah, that's that's a cool setup right there. I yeah, I like how you saw the well, you, you noticed it online and you're just like, okay, this is a bit of a higher sale price. What's what's going on here looked into it, then you started crunching on the numbers on all the different opportunities and you know, expansion. So was it just it, you know, majority of it listed as like a, a single family residence? Or was it, you know, and there was yeah, more too. Yeah, so that?
1: That, that that was kind of where where I was able to kind of take advantage of it. You know, it wasn't listed on any of the um, sites that people go to. You know, for RV parks, you know, it was just listed as a single family home. And then in the description, as you started to read, I think she mentioned some camp spots in there. And then um, you know, and then on the pictures, I could tell there was there were some. But you know, luckily for me, I don't think many people drew that line. And then you know, it it was one of those things where you didn't see the potential until you showed up. And then I was able to like, oh wow. You know, then I could start doing the, the quick figures in my head and, and seeing the potential of what we could make that thing become.
0: So, Right. So how many uh, lots are there then? Like, and how many were there when you got it versus what you added?
1: So there were, uh, I believe, 22 there um, when, I, when, when I bought it. and But he was only using, I think, 10 of them. And I said, how come you're not using all of these? And he, and he goes, I don't like people staying behind me. He lived in the house and his house faced one direction and he didn't like people camping in the on his back porch and stuff. So I don't know. So, um, you know, so able, I was able to kind of capitalize on that. So I think there were 22 and we're up to, I've added 11 so far. Um, next phase we'll probably be adding four or five more. So I'm just kind of going in phases, letting the camper, letting the campground pay for the expansion as we go. But I could add probably another 20, 25 spots.
0: Um, Oh wow! So there's a fair amount of yeah land there with it, you know, enough to be ad- adding that many. And I'm sure it's not even. I mean, how how ex- you know how much space does it take? How much is the build out process on prepping those? What's that lo- lot look like?
1: Yeah. So like I said, luckily for us, it, it was already kind of the utilities were already ran into each spot. The utilities were already ran to everywhere on, on the property because of the old um, mobile home park and stuff. So it's only a few thousand bucks to add a spot and then you know we could we could pack them in but our campground is there's a lot of space in between and so we're trying to continue that and so um you know so it's only a couple grand per spot um and then you know we're we're adding three or four to at a time usually
0: right yeah now i would imagine compared to a normal rental property there's going to be a lot more management and you know involvement with these just as it's you know, I'm sure even some, is it, are they nightly stays weekly or are they more long-term? So we, we're, we got,
1: most of them are seasonal, right? So they come in in April and then they leave in October and we charge them by the month. And then we do have some weekly and nightly stays there. Um, so we, we use a management software. Um, I think it costs us like 20 bucks a month and then people can go on there and reserve the spot. And then we can kind of keep track of, you know, who should be where and what availability we have and that sort of stuff. So, that's what we're doing right now It's kind of taking the,
0: uh... okay. Now, do you have, um, do you have like an site uh, person that is monitoring and making sure, you know, you're not having people there that shouldn't be, or, uh, you know, controlling everything that's going on? What is, you know, what's that process like? And then, yeah, yeah. Kind of start with that.
1: Yeah. So, um,
0: you know, we kind of struggled with that a, a little bit at first, you know, I thought, originally going
1: in, I thought, you know, I can do all this, you know, I live 30 minutes away and and, and that sort of stuff. And then that was just kind of proven too much to be a time suck for me and, and a little more uh, legwork than I, than I wanted it to be. And so there's a, a lady who lives there full time. I mean, that's her, her house. And so I walked up to her and I said, Hey, how would you like to live here for free? And she was like, what do you mean? And so we kind of talked about it I said, know, yeah, you could stay here. Um, and she's like, "Well, I want to pay for my utilities." And I was like, "Okay, you can pay me a hundred bucks for your electric and your water and sewer." And I was like, yeah, know, you just kind of help get people where they're supposed to go, and then you know, if there's some riff raff here, you let me know, and then I'll call the cops or, or whatever." And you know, her husband has been—he was like, "Can I start mowing the grass?" I was like, "Yes, please." And so, <laughs> you know, they've they've kind they've kind of ran with it as as kind of theirs, and and I've allowed it because I mean they're awesome and they're they're really helping us out back over there, and it's, you know for me it's a few hundred bucks a month and she she's taking a brunt of it and you know gives her something to do she enjoys it and so again the win win that we talked about earlier
0: that is yeah just getting creative with the uh, you know the people who are already there and just looking at your environment like okay let's see what we can make work here and yeah get you get you your time back and you know a better setup overall for for both you guys there and yeah. I, I think that's, I think it's, I don't know. It's one of those creative deals that again, m- most people looked over, you know, that you were able to get there, see the potential and, and build it out. And I'm sure, I mean, what, uh, you know, as much as you want to go into like cash flow wise, is it doing pretty well, you know, compared to, you know, your costs, your monthly operational cost on the property? Is it, you know, much more so than I'm sure even just some single family properties? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we, we're exceeding our, um, our, our um you know my my
1: numbers um, we're exceeding that by, by far so far um you know we kind of thought it would take us longer to kind of ramp up and that sort of stuff um you know we thought we'd have more vacancy we're not, we're not really um so yeah it's doing it's doing really well um so trying to judge the the expansion versus keeping it nice and keeping our systems intact you know that's kind of the the balance that we're trying to get but um so far, yes, it was, we had, we had to spend some capital up front, um, more than we thought. And so, you know, just kind of, um, uh, resetting from there. And then, you know, the previous owner wasn't open in the winter. And so last winter was our first one. And there was a lot of learning experience for that, for me of, you know, leaky pipes and that sort of stuff. So, uh, hopefully we got a better plan going this winter. And so then it won't be so much of a, of a headache and, a, and a money waster. But, um, you know, so we're only in year two of, of the, of the change in the process Uh, but yeah, we're, we're definitely far exceeding anything we thought we'd do so far. So
0: nice. Hey, that's, that's cool to hear, you know, and and like I said, something new to learn and get into that, you know, you probably didn't even think of before, you know, coming across that deal, but you know, here you are with it. Is this a a type of asset, you know, campground, you know, mobile home park is that you would, that you now will look for, you know, that you wouldn't previously, or is it, you know, it's just a matter of the deals that come up or you have your eyes set out for something similar? um so yeah i mean i i enjoy this this class um you know, it's cool because you don't have to worry
1: about again maintenance or you know if their rv breaks their their pipes burst in their camper it has you know it's nothing on me it's it's on them so um i like that part of it um you know the there's some more um, figuring and that sort of stuff you know because it, it drops off significantly you know in the winter and so you gotta have enough capital kind of carry over and that sort of stuff so uh, but yeah, so we're definitely looking, looking for those, um, you know, we're trying to be in that sweet spot of, um, you know, small enough parks that, you know, the, the big institutional money is, doesn't want to touch it. And, um, you know, and we do, and then it's still kind of manageable. You know, I, I self-manage almost everything we got. I got a VA that, that does a lot of it. And then, um, you know, i got a couple of workers here locally that, that kind of help, but. You know, so we want to be able to still keep it under my umbrella, but, um, you know, but be big enough for it to be profitable. So we're just trying to find a little sweet spot of, of RVs or mobile home parks, that kind of stuff.
0: Right. Now you, I heard you just mentioned you have a VA that helps with the management. Um, you are taking care of all the management. It sounds like on, on your properties. What, uh, how how does that process work with the VA, you know, doing management, you know, remotely and, and has it always been that way? What's that structure like?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I saw the benefits of that pretty early. And so we it's been a process that we've been, her and I have been working through for the last, she's probably been with me two or three years, I would say. Um, so, you know, we, we find a system that works temporarily and then we, you know, we either outgrow that system or a new system comes up. And so then we try that one. And so it's always a, a, a learning process. Um, you know, I've, I'm a big proponent in self-management. You know, there's systems in place that you can use for that. You know, I think uh, most property management um, that you hire is, you know, you're, you're one of a thousand units that they have. And so, you know, you're not that important to them. You know, me me with my 23 doors or whatever it is, I get to make those the priority. And, you know, when, when one is vacant, then that's the hot issue. And I find I find a tenant for that. And I don't think you get that with the property management. Um, so, yeah. So, she does almost all of the posting of properties on the, on the website. She, that's all, all of them. Um, and then she does the interaction between, you know, if there's a maintenance request or anything like that, she handles all that. She contacts the, um, contractors to fix it. Um, you know, if she can pay them over the phone, she does that. You know, if she needs me to mail a check, she tells me, um, yeah. So, I mean, 95% of the management, uh, tasks she does And then the other 5% is either with the person I have here locally or myself.
0: Very nice. And I would imagine that, I mean, one, you're, I'm sure, getting the, again, the the attention and focus that you want, you know, with your properties instead of one of a thousand type of thing. So that helps the, you know, the timely responses, uh, maybe the quality of tenants and such. Uh, are you money ahead um with this VA versus you know the 10% or so you'd pay with somebody else Yeah yeah
1: for sure um
0: you know I think last time I I had her run all the
1: numbers I think I pay like 4 to 5% um for her and then um you know all the expenses and stuff that are associated with that you know for the systems or the stamps or you know whatever you use for all that So yeah I'm at like 4 or 5% and then you know I can outrun vacancy on, on the most part, you know, because I'm able to turn and burn units. Um, you know, there's no markup for uh, maintenance. You know, most uh, property managers, you know, if a plumbing bill is a thousand, will they charge 10% of that to, for their fee or whatever? So I'm, I'm able to save all that. I'm able to shop around for supplies or um, contractors. You know, if I think a bid's too high, I can have another one go out. Um, so, yeah. So last time we checked, we were about 4 or 5% and then I'm also saving money on all the other expenses past that.
0: Right. Hey, that's huge. I I haven't heard of a setup quite like that, but it's like if you're hitting all, checking all those boxes and saving money on that, I think that's, you know, it's just a no-brainer, a huge huge benefit there. Uh, could could you take us um kind of at this point in your business? I know we've talked on some of the things you're currently working on with the campground and and some of these other deals. Where where is yeah, your kind of portfolio? Um, you know, today of like what you're working on, the deals you've got going and what you see for, you know, the future coming up here that you're, t- you're going to spend your time on.
1: Yeah. So I think, um, last count, I think I'm at like, uh, 11 or 12 properties and 26 doors. Um, for that, um, I got like a sevenplex and then, you know, the campground's got two places, um, that sort of stuff. And then I have the campground obviously. So that's where we're at currently. Um, I bought six tax liens last year, I think it is. And so I'm coming up on my year, um, you know, waiting period on that, sending out the notices and stuff now. So, um, you know, so if my two thirds holds true, you know, i will be getting four properties here within a few months. Um, so we'll be looking to do that. And then, you know, then August next year's or this year's tax auction will be happening for, you know, to start the wait, one year waiting period. So for me, this is like a busy, my busy season. Um, so I'm working on that. And then also, you know, I'm crunching numbers on, on anything that is, um, you know, more than, you know, multifamily, it's that sort of stuff is kind of where, where we're looking to go. Um, you know, I've been kind of struggling, uh, internally with, you know, when is enough enough? And is it always a chase? And, and, you know, when, when do I just sit and enjoy my you know 26 doors or whatever it'll be? Um, so I don't really know what the future's holding on that end. I would love to be able to replace my job and, and quit and then kind of have my time back and then just kind of do this full time. So that's
0: kind of where we're kind of gearing everything towards. Nice. Hey, it sets you up in a good spot. Cause yeah, you've built this up over the course of time and now yeah, you're getting into that point of do I double down and just make this my full-time deal, right? And you know, building up more cash flow and and doing real estate, or yeah, kind of level it off and just let it ride. So, you know, either way, like you you know, you're saying you've you know you've worked to set yourself up here, and and now you kind of have that that place of an option and, and choosing the next direction. So, right, yeah. I've uh, I've definitely yeah, I, I'm definitely going to look into some of these tax liens myself coming up. I know you said this time of year and uh, yeah, it's the creative ways that you've structured some of these and just going to auctions and thinking outside the boxes. There's definitely a lot to be learned from that instead of just trying to find the, the three beds, two bath in a good area that you're trying to compete against everybody else for, for a good deal. Cause there's just only so many of those, you know, there's money to be made and all sorts of, real- um, you know, again,
1: 90% of my success is just basically showing up and being at the right place at the right time. So.
0: Absolutely. Hey, well, let's, um, you know, before we wrap it up here, uh, I've got four questions that I ask each guest. So let's go through these here. Uh, so Marty one, uh, what is the best piece of advice you've been given? Um, can I cuss on here?
1: <laughs> Do hard shit every day. So hard shit becomes easy. And so I, I do that. I, you know, I find physical challenges to do. I find, you know, trying to learn new, new tasks, um, that sort of stuff. I try to make, you know, I think resiliency is a muscle and I think that muscle needs to be, uh, built and, and stretched and, and all that sort of stuff. And so that way, when shit gets hard, you can go back on everything and, 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 you know, you already have past experience of stuff being hard. So.
0: Absolutely. I agree. When, yeah. So many people are trying to find the the roundabout way of getting around a hard task or how to make it easier. But I like what you're saying. It's just like go at it head on. It's going to be hard sometimes and you'll just build up that tolerance to be able to do it again and again. One other thing. Exactly. All right. Good. Good. All right. Number two, uh, what is one of your favorite business books?
1: Uh, so the easy answer is rich dad, poor dad. I mean, that's kind of what started the whole thing for me, you know, thinking of everything in assets and liabilities. Um, here lately, it's been the gap in the game, you know, kind of, um, you know, concentrating on on the enjoying the process and not just like, oh, this didn't work or, or you know, that sort of stuff. So kind of trust in that. Um, but yeah, so definitely read the gap in the game and kind of help put things into perspective for sure.
0: I like it. Yeah, I'll have to read that one, actually. Have not uh, have not got to that one yet. So good, good suggestion there. Number Three then, uh, what is one character trait you notice that successful people commonly share? Um, so that, you know, on the first
1: deal, there, there comes a time when you gotta push the chips in and, you know, there's, there's a time when you, when you did, you know, um, there's a time when I did everybody, uh, that I know there's a specific point where it was like, okay, I'm going to do this and you just shove it in there. And then sometimes you're going to lose and sometimes you're going to win and that's fine. Either way, the, the, the good thing is that you shoved it in the middle. And so every successful person I know has shoved it in the middle. And then when they lose, they'll shove it in the middle again. And they just keep doing that over and over.
0: Right, right. I'm, I'm with you there. There's got to be a point of just jumping in and, and taking some risk and going for it. Because at the end of the day, there's no roadmap for this, right? You know, all of the deals that you've done, it's, it's just been you going for it and, and figuring out the pieces after the fact. So I like that. I like that. Awesome. Well, um, last thing here, uh, you know, you've shared a lot of good content information on ways you've gone about deals. Where can people connect with you? Um, so I'm in a
1: mastermind group, um, and we have a podcast, uh, green squad chats. Um, so me and my guys, we talk, uh, every two weeks on there. Um, so you can find that on YouTube and all the, the, uh, normal podcast stuff. And then I'm on Instagram at he meek, H E M E E K underscore homes. You can find me on there. I'll post some every once in a while.
0: Okay. Okay, great. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, yeah, connect with Marty there if you guys uh, have any questions or want to check in. And uh, yeah, this has been a great conversation. Very insightful. Um, yeah, appreciate your time and coming on yeah, here. Yeah, anytime, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, been great. All right, well, thank you all for tuning into the Growth Circle Podcast, and we will catch you on the next one.